to the Lead Like Jesus Zoomcast. This is Karen Conley, and I am so excited to have not a new guest, but a returning guest with us today. Um, Danita Bai, welcome to the Lead Like Jesus videocast. Glad to be here. Welcome. Well, um, for those of you um, who have been with the Lead Like Jesus podcast and now videocast for some time, you might recall that I had the privilege of talking to Danita um, several years ago, and we've brought her back because her expertise is in the area of millennials, and it is such a relevant topic in today's business culture. And so Danita um, has a wealth of experience. Um, she was at uh, Xerox for 10 years, uh, award winner there in her sales, went on to be a national sales manager. And now she is here as the CEO of Sales Growth Specialists, the author of three books. Um, and the most recent one is Millennials Matter. And so Danita, you've been busy, yes. <laughs> And I do want to encourage everyone, I know your book's available on Amazon and pretty much anywhere you can get a book. Um, and at the end of the podcast, we'll also want to give out your website so people can learn there. But please do go get your hands on Millennials Matters. We're going we're gonna to just touch the surface today in this podcast, but it would be a great resource for any of our business leaders out there. So, Danita, thank you for coming back. And I was thinking about this podcast and just even in the, the couple of years since we've spoken, we are in the end of 2019 as we're recording this. Give us a little update before we dive in. What, what do you see as you go and speak with business leaders around the country um, as some of the nuances that maybe have changed over the last few years? Well, great question. One of the numbers that's important for us to be to realize is by uh, 2025, 75% of the workforce uh, will be millennials. So for any of us, we if we're frustrated or having difficulty in our management and leadership processes, uh, we got to get a handle on it now because it's only going to accelerate. Well, that so, so so that's exactly right. Some of the changes is as the millennials have matured and are moving into careers and having families, uh, we're actually finding that there's you know there had been this divide. I'll call it a divide of. Um, millennials that were high character, confident, collaborative leaders, and then as contrast with those that have earned the reputation in the media, uh -huh. uh, which we all know. So uh -huh. there's always been that divide. Um, and I, I would submit that this talented group is a lot bigger than this other group, but this group has really owned the media. Oh, oh. Uh, and what we're finding as the millennials age is that there is becoming a clearer why in the road. Uh, some, uh, in fact, uh, some are calling this group mega millennials so they they have careers their goals they're motivated and then this other group they're calling me millennials 
Oh. And that group is becoming more distinct as they age. Okay. Which, let's, let's be real, that would happen with all of us. We all know Gen Xers and baby boomers that are in those two categories also. Right. <laughs> Yeah, that is fascinating. Um, it, it does seem like there's been so much attention given to this particular generation. Do you think that some of these discrepancies, the whys in the road, are, are really something that has happened with every generation, or is it unique to the millennials? I don't have the research on it. My perspective is that it's happened with all generations. And because this generation is the most studied generation, and because of all the incredible technology, digital, robotic, AI automation that's happening, there's just so much change that's happening in our culture so rapidly that everybody's excited about the change, but they're kind of panicking also about how that's impacting the generation. So we study them um, and then get all sorts of news flashes. But I think it's happened in all generations. Yeah, that's fascinating to, to think about it. You're right that we do have the opportunity to study them and therefore they're kind of under the microscope in a way that other generations uh, have not been. So that, that's a fascinating dynamic. Well. Manita, I would love um, to, to bring to, not your attention, you're very familiar with these statistics, you actually sent them to me. Um, <laughs> they, were, they were very fascinating to me and, and really were such a snapshot of, um, of a generation that I wanted to just bring them to the attention of our audience and then see if you might be able to help us extrapolate from this research what that means for those who are in leadership, whether that's in a business and we're talking employees or it's in a, a nonprofit or a ministry setting and you're talking about volunteers, of how to really um, maximize all of the gifts and all of the talents that the millennial generation brings. So let me start with this first statistic. 91% um, of millennials aspire to leadership. Now, help paint a picture for our audience. How does that compare to other generations and what is so significant about that? So when I first started talking about that statistic with uh, baby boomers, uh, they were astounded. And of, of all the statistics that I talked about, that was the one that the, was most astounding to them. They think back when they were in their 20s and they're like going, man, I was just thinking about my job and, and doing my job and wasn't even thinking about leadership. And so as I look at it, I, th I think it comes out of one, how we, how this generation has been raised. I think they've been raised to see themselves as people of influence and that they have the ability to shift and change the world in some way. So I think, so that is built into their DNA. And it's important for us to affirm that and also leverage that as we're uh, working with all millennials. 
and I'll give an example. Uh, actually, uh, two examples. Right now, uh, the statistics indicate that over 50% of millennials are disengaged at work. Oh. So they're, they're not engaged. Uh, they're bringing their body to work, but they're not bringing their brain and their gifts and their talents. So we need to be doing something different because they do bring in incredible gifts and talents to the work. Uh, the next thing is that when I was initially having conversations with leaders about discussing character in the workplace, they said, Danita, that's embarrassing to talk about at work, isn't it? And isn't character something that should have been dealt with at home? And yet, if you think about it, every single decision that a leader makes is, is at the, comes from their core, from their internal character. So I think this is a great opportunity as we're coaching and mentoring millennial generation to say, this is what leaders think about this is what leaders wrestle with and in doing that we affirm their aspiration to be a leader and it opens up the door to talk about the importance of honesty and integrity and uh, trustworthiness and determination and all those kind of virtues it gives us a it gives us an uh, an opening to be able to talk and dialogue about those in the workplace. What is it that you would say has brought that character issue? To, when you talk to CEOs, I mean, is, is that, do they see a huge discrepancy in the character of a millennial versus a, a non-millennial? What, what do you think stimulates that part of the conversation? When I uh, survey lead, uh, business leaders and talk to leaders and ask about the things that are frustrating to them, they talk about the lack of accountability. So playing the blame game and pointing fingers and other people. That's what they're experiencing. And at the core of that oh. is, uh, I, would, I would call it a character issue. Okay. I, not taking personal responsibility and personal accountability and maybe lack of determination. Huh. So uh, business leaders talk about the lack of accountability in uh, a world that I work in a lot, the sales world. Uh, we've got statistical data on 2 million salespeople and 60% of them play the blame game. And I, I actually think it's a cultural issue. <laughs> I'm surprised that it's only 60. You would think it would be 90. <laughs> but you know, that's how, uh, that's one thing that business leaders uh, note. Another item that business leaders note is the, uh, the lack of resilience. So they tackle a, you know, they have an assignment, and then they, they fail. Yeah, I mean, something happens. I mean, this is life. There's always going to be obstacles. Um, and instead of thinking of new ways of coming around it and, you know, 
brushing themselves off quickly that leaders feel instead of having them do that on their own, the leader needs to come along and provide a tremendous amount of encouragement and attaboys to build that resilience. And at the core, that's part of a character issue. Okay. So as we talk about their desire, 91% desired leadership, and then we talk about some of the the ways that you hear back from upper-level, mid-level managers of some of these issues, what do you say to that leader that's listening that can help them navigate and and take the, the positive of them wanting to be leaders, but knowing where they're at? What are some tips that you might give um, in the context of leadership um, that would be helpful for that, that leader of a millennial to know and to do? So uh, my top tip is uh, the questioning strategy that we use as the leader. And the, the question is, uh, what might you do to accomplish the task ahead of you. So, and and there's a, uh, there's a couple of, I'll call it kind of secret and power words. The first is what, because we're looking for action moving forward. We're not using who to blame. We're looking for what might in the world of innovation is considered a brilliant innovation word. So where we want to spark innovation, what might, and then you were fostering an ownership mindset. What might you do? There were fostering an action mindset. And then what might you do to accomplish the task in front of you? Uh, we're looking for an outcome mindset. Oh. So what I found is that question can uh, just really spark those on our team to see, to start to consider various options and solutions. That, I, that is fascinating to hear you say that. And it makes me kind of laugh because I think about um, in, the, in the context of parenting, like how your exact words really matter sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> sabotage or you can totally ask that winning question and what you just formulated was a winning question so that's right now of course as leaders we have to you know employ all of our empathy and you know uh, sometimes especially for us in the midwest kind of soft pillow language so we don't come off as mean by asking the question um, but, you know, at the heart, those are the, the mindsets that we want to nurture to have a high-performance individual and a high-performance team. Well, Danita, I love the practicality of that question. And if, if anybody is, uh, didn't get a chance to jot it down, what might you do to accomplish this XYZ, whatever it might be that applies to your business setting? But that is a, a fabulous takeaway. Uh, really to to try to get anybody to be innovative and to take responsibility and to to accomplish something so I love that 
let me bring up the second statistic. Um, and this one I think is, is equally interesting and, and really a part of a lot of dialogue these days. And that is this, that 79% of millennials want a coach or a mentor. Now, talk to me about that. How does that compare to other generations? What, how abnormal or normal is that? Well, and they want a coach or a mentor, not a boss. Ah, okay. So, um, you know, as we think back to, um, uh, you know, I'll say baby boomers, they may have wanted a coach or a mentor, but if they had a boss at work, someone who was dictate, uh, very directive, someone who, uh, you know, they had top-down management, they, uh, you know, my way or the highway. Uh, so if we had someone like that, we still stayed at our job. Uh, even baby boomers today, if they don't have uh, the leadership that they want, will probably still stay at the job because they want the paycheck. Hmm. Millennials are saying, you know what, I want the paycheck and if you aren't going to provide the, the, the mentoring and coaching that I need to further my career and my personal professional development, someone down the street will. Hmm. And so, so those jobs are just much more abundant. And so whereas older generations might put up with it, uh, the newer generations won't. They'll walk. Okay, so that statistic is really describing the quality that they want in their immediate superior as opposed to, I want some outside coaching and mentoring. They're expecting that from their employer. Is that, am I understanding I that? that? I, I like the way that you word that, yes. Yeah, okay. it's a, a quality that they're looking for that someone's going to be able to uh, come alongside them and help them on their pathway. Now, what's interesting is that when you study um, high performance leaders and managers, they do that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. They do that. You know, I think back to it was in the medical, uh, actually both. When I was in Xerox, I clearly remember conversations where my my sales manager sat down with me and said, uh, Danita, what do you want to be when you grow up? And how can I get you there? So uh, that, uh, that happened at Xerox. And then uh, when I went into the, uh, the medical device field and I'm building uh, my sales team, I actually had conversations with people that I was interviewing, asking them, what do you want to be when you grow up? You know, what are your career goals? What are your professional goals? What are the, and then based on that, what are the skills that you feel you need to work on? What the acumen do you need? And how might I help you on that journey? Hmm. And I remember I had one person, Tom, when I asked him that question, he said, well, Danita, what I really want to do is I want to work for this publishing company, but they only hire people who have top-notch top sales training. 
I don't have that yet. You have the reputation for providing it. So I want to work with you for two years and then I'm going to go apply over there. And I said, great. I says, I'll make a bet with you. Uh, you come work for me. Um, I'm going to invest in you, work with you, do everything I can. And at the end of two years, I bet that you'll stay with me. And that's what he did. He stayed there for eight years. So in, in your, as, you, as you're talking, I'm sitting here thinking, you know, in some ways it's, it's so easy for us, as you said, there's more research, there's more data, there's more information on millennials that you can kind of pick them apart, categorize them. You know, we, we're kind of good at doing that. But on the same hand, you know, they have more information as a generation than ever before as well. And so while we criticize sometimes and, and don't value them for their strengths, they're actually, we're actually doing to them what they are in some ways probably demanding. It sounds like from what you're saying that really what they're demanding is a higher level of a higher quality leader above them. Yeah. Yeah. Would you say that's true? You know, I do. So um, often when I'm doing presentations and there will always be someone who comes up afterwards and says, you know, Danita, you're not telling us anything new. And I go, you're correct. But here's the problem. We have all these leadership books. We have all these re leadership resources. Our heads are packed. We know now is the time to activate and to do. Mm -hmm. So it is, it's a, a higher quality leader. It's the time when we have to take that which we know and we have to put it into practice. Mm -hmm. So for, for leaders that are listening to this podcast and they um, are hearing this and they're thinking, okay, I really do need to prioritize that coaching aspect, that mentoring dynamic of me to the people that report to me. What would be maybe one key thing that you would, would tell them like, okay, if you're going to start making that intentional decision to kind of move into that coaching space, here's, here's what would help you make that transition. What's a good first step? You know, I think a, a great first step is to ask the what do you want to be when you grow up question. Mm -hmm. you know, tell me about your dreams, your aspirations, what your hopes. When, when people get out of bed in the morning, they don't get out of bed to help the company make money. Mm -hmm. They get out of bed for their own purpose and what we're looking to do is to align purposes and to align vision and mission and values but ultimately what you know causes them to wake up and the eyes to pop open is uh, i'm on a path to my clear compelling vision and so as we can start to do that and um, understand them get a deeper understanding of them, then we can help them along that way. So that would be uh, the first step is just to ask the question. That's a great, a great first step. I, I love how practical um, you are in, in each of these areas that we've talked about. I 
think that there's really a good takeaway that, that people can, don't be overwhelmed by it. Don't try to, you know, eat the whole elephant. Just have this new awareness and begin walking in it and begin to see those shifts in your workplace culture. That's, that's fantastic. Let me throw in this last statistic um, while we've still got time, Danita. Um, 88% of millennials want to live in a collaborative culture. So what does that mean that as leaders, we need to be aware of and what do we need to do that that collaborative value is so high? So there's a, this culture or these millennials value collaboration where as leaders from other generations, we, we have, grown up many of us have grown up in a competitive culture i come out of the sales world stack ranking man you want to be at the top you don't want to be at the bottom because you know you're x you know so we you know got this very uh kind of uh competitive culture that comes from how I'll call it our imprinting that happened in the corporate cultures that we were in, as opposed to the current culture, which is more flat, uh, teamwork oriented, that they need, want their ideas to be considered and built in. And I would submit that that is good for business. That millennial mindset is good for business. They see things differently. Um, they think about it differently. So if we can incorporate that in and listen and collaborate, that our businesses and our enterprises will be stronger for it in the long run. Well, and, and to your point earlier, if by 2025, 75% of the workforce is going to be millennials, even people in, you know, I mean, the bottom line of most businesses is sales and profit. You are going to have to attract the business of a millennial. So if you have millennials in your workforce, you would be wise to listen, to know their habits and to know their perspectives, because those are going to be a lot of your paying customers, I would assume. Absolutely. In that world, um, you're right. That can be a huge um, mindset shift for a boss that is, is, is used to that competitive juices being what motivates his team. What do you practically suggest for that leader who maybe hasn't considered the need for collaboration or doesn't necessarily understand it as much? How does that translate into a team where you still have to meet objectives? Uh, so there's two things that come to my mind. One is to uh, understand the heartbeat of intrinsic motivation. So intrinsic motivation is about being, the, being your best, maybe beating what you did last time, mm -hmm. uh, contributing, uh, making a difference. So uh, to be able to understand the intrinsic motivation and how to have those conversations. Um, so that's one. Number two, I'm just a, a strong believer. There's a whole host of assessment products uh, that are out there. And as a 
team or a coach or a mentor that if, if that when we take those assessments that we uh, talk with each other about how we operate and what gets us energized and how we're motivated and we begin to appreciate those in the other person and the value they bring to the table. Hmm. You know, I'm in a situation right now where I have someone who is highly, highly analytical. Not just a little analytical, highly analytical. <laughs> I'm like, okay, Janita, take a deep breath. Okay, how do we, you know, how, you know, how's this going to work? So, you know, I would submit, this is, this is a learning process for all of us. It's a learning process for millennials who are new into the workplace and uh, interacting with a whole host of uh, people. And for the experienced leader, it seems like there are always learning edges. Absolutely. Well, Danita, this has been so helpful and, and definitely kind of re-engaged my mind on the topic of millennials. I hope it has our audience as well. Um, and so I just can't thank you enough for joining us and for really just simplifying and enlightening us on what are some practical things that we can do to really make make the most of an incredible generation and yes. to help them be effective as they can be, which is really us being as effective as we can be together. So um, thank you so much. Before we go, please, if anybody wants to um, get Millennial Matters, um, check out other resources that you have or, or be able to reach out to you for some of your expertise in the, in the area of Millennial Leadership. What's the best way for them to, to reach out to you? So my email address is Danita, D-A-N-I-T-A, at DanitaBy.com, uh, and that's B-Y-E, so DanitaBy.com. Uh, that's the best, best and quickest way uh, to reach me. Fantastic. And, and if someone, and then when you go on my website and you click uh, Millennials Matter, that will take you as a link to all the places that you can uh, purchase Millennials Matter also. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for joining us and thank you for your contribution to Lead Like Jesus. I hope everybody's enjoyed today's video cast and we look forward to part two next time. Thank you. Thank you.